0: To end the Word with Pastor Don Haskins where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. 1 Corinthians chapter... Psalmist says, uh, "My heart or my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever." Father, we come before you. We thank you, Lord, that that is the case. Even as we have prayed, at the end of worship, even to hear right now, Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts, our minds, to what we will listen to today, what we will sit at your feet to learn. I pray, Lord, that every single one of us that are within hearing of this message, Lord, would be willing to allow you to speak to us, to change us, become more like the man, the woman, the child that you have called us to be. That at the end of this message, we can honestly say, I know Jesus better now. Than I did when I walked in this door. I know his plan for my life even a little bit more now than I did when I walked into this place. I understand the reason for my life a little bit more now than I did when I walked into this place. For Lord, if we can say that, we have success, we've grown in you. I pray, Lord, that the growth is in you and it's not something that we try to manufacture. I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you do the work in our heart to become and be transformed by your Holy Spirit as we open your word and we begin to dig in and see how it might apply to our lives this day. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, why don't we stand up? I'm going, to read the, I'm going to read a passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, we have spent about four weeks in the first 13 verses of chapter 10. Uh, probably we'll be done with, with the chapter today. Uh, I don't know how that works, how we can take four or five weeks in 13 verses and then uh, one week in 20, but it just happens that way sometimes. Um, but we've read uh, First Corinthians chapter ten, verses one through thirteen, about five times. So I think you all have it pretty much memorized by now. Um, I'll back up just a, a couple of verses uh, to get a little bit of context as we move in from verse fourteen through uh, chapter eleven, verse one. And it's it's a little odd that I'm saying chapter eleven, verse one. I think we have it on there. It, chapter ten, verse fourteen through eleven, uh, one. Uh, this is. Know this: that when they wrote the Bible, when the Bible was written, the letters were written. They didn't put chapter eleven in here, verse one. This was a uh, this was a reference uh, uh, attempt to to get us to to find a place very quickly in the Word of God to where we can identify, you know, uh, with a, a, a passage where it is, and we can find it fairly quickly. It's a, it's an easily uh, found reference, like. Uh, John didn't write and say hey I'm going to write John 3 verse 16 John didn't say 316 he just wrote a letter and that was in his letter. We have gone back in and referenced these verses in such a way that it's much easier to uh, reference them and, and draw from them. And why I say that is that this is one of those, and there's just a couple of times in scripture where this happens. This was kind of an unfortunate break of a chapter uh, on verse 30 through at 33 of 10. It should have ended in verse 1 of chapter 11 um, because a brand new paragraph begins in verse 2. Many Many of your Bibles, just for your own I don't not, not every Bible does this, but many and most of your Bibles do. Some of you look on there and you'll see that today we're going to be reading from verse 14, and you'll see in verse 14 you'll see that it's highlighted or it's, it's emboldened anybody 's Bible have an emboldened fourteen? Yeah, you have an emboldened 14. What that means is that that's the beginning of a new paragraph. That was a new, new paragraph of what uh, Paul wrote. And then you're going to see another one in verse 23. Well, that's the same thing in verse 2 of chapter 11. There's a, it's boldened again. And so it's a beginning of a new paragraph. That's neither here nor there for today's message. Just, there you go. Now, you can take that and, there you go. Yeah. From now on, when you see that, you can, you can go, oh, here's a new paragraph. There's much more that I could say about that because in every paragraph, there is a point. There's a point. Every point in every paragraph has, it attaches itself to the theme of the entire letter. It's, it's amazing how Greek is. is. And so um, the whole of the book of 1 Corinthians, this verse 14 through 22, it will support the actual theme of the whole of the book. And so it's, it's amazing how Greek is written. So, um, but be that as it may, I'm going to begin in verse 12. Paul writing to the Corinthians, he says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, being many, are one bread and one body. For we all partake of that one bread. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That an idol is anything... Or what is offered to idols is anything? No, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of the demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than He? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but all things do not edify. So let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Eat whatever is sold in the market, asking no questions for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. If any of those who do not believe invites you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no questions for conscience' sake. But if anyone says to you, Hey, this was offered to idols. Do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. And conscience, I say not your own, but that of the other. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? But if I partake with things, why am I evil spoken of for the food over which I give thanks? Therefore, whether you eat Or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense, either to the Jews or to the Greeks, or to the church of God. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. And so imitate me, just as I imitate Christ. Father, pour into us this day, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right. Paul, beginning in verse 14, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, flee from idolatry. Flee from idolatry. The word idolatry is actually made up of two Greek words. Two Greek words. Uh, the first word is idolon, idolon, which almost sounds like idol, doesn't it? Idolon, idolon. Uh, idol, idolon literally means it's an image or representation that can either be physical or imaginary Or some other thing. It can be a statue or it can even be a concept of the mind of a person. And although the idol is nothing in this world, it does represent something that is not true God. What does that mean? It means this. Just because someone calls something an idol, just because somebody says, well, there is a God here, just because there are other faiths that say, well, there is a God that we serve, that God we serve, doesn't mean that there is a god there it just means that they're they're bowing down to something and they're or they're they're uh giving homage to something that they have likened you know that they have have elevated to a place of godhood and it's an idol and that's what paul's saying don't don't get caught in idolatry just because a lot of people do it doesn't mean that it's right I remember there was a long time ago a song. Some of you have heard me use this before. One of the worst songs that I've ever heard of a Christian sing. I, I hate the song because of the because of the message of the song. And I don't even remember what the name of the song was. I was it was back when I was over in Fort Lauderdale working over there at Calvary Fort Lauderdale, and I was driving on five ninety five one day, actually going back out to my mother and father's house, mother and father in law's house in Plantation, and I remember hearing a song on the radio, and it, it was kind of catchy. It was kind of catchy. It was Larnell Harris, actually, who was singing it. Any of you guys hear of Larnell Harris? Great singer, isn't he? Phenomenal voice. But he had a song, and this, in this song he was singing, I don't think he wrote this song, but he sang it, and it was a very beautiful song. The problem was, the words of the song just weren't biblical. Because it said, it said, I know that this is right, because how can so many people be wrong." I'm going, that's just not biblical. That's just not biblical. I I don't care that it sounds really pretty in a song, but don't you understand, that's exactly what Jesus said. Jesus said, he said, the contrary to what you're actually singing, he says something contrasting what you say, absolutely opposite of what you just said. Narrow is the way and wide is the gate. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and many there are who go that way. And what that means is most will go that way but narrow is the way that leads to life and very few there are who go that way. And, and so when you hear that well everybody's going this way don't, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the right way to go. In fact, truth be known Jesus says it's pretty much most of the time the opposite of the populace or the popular opinion. It, don't get caught up Being a people pleaser. Don't get caught up being a man pleaser. Be a God pleaser. And it may cost you. It may cost you your life. It costs these disciples their lives. Be a God pleaser. You will never regret it. Oh, it might be hard. And it might be very difficult. And it might cause you to lose friends. It might cause you to lose relationships. It might even cause you to lose family. But Jesus said, I didn't come. To bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. There's going to be family members that are going to be at odds with one another over me, and he doesn't make a he doesn't make an excuse for it, and he doesn't make an apology for it. He says, "This is what's going to happen when I come, and as I'm here, and as I accomplish the things which I have come to do, it's going to cause division in a family." But I will say, any man who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy of God. Jesus, I want to follow you wherever you go. Jesus said, well, pick up, come on, follow me. Oh, I'll do it. But let me first go and bury my mom and my dad. And Jesus, it almost sounds callous. Hey, let the dead bury the dead. You come and follow me. You go, well, that, does, that doesn't sound very loving. Hey, I mean, can you imagine? <clears throat> if, if you said, Lord, I'm going to follow you, but, but first let me go... And, and, and now if you have a good relationship with your mom and dad and you say but, but Lord you know how, how much I love my mom and my dad let me first go and bury them there's more to the story isn't there a whole lot more to the story he didn't say hey my mom and dad just got in a chariot accident the other day <laughs> and uh, it was a head on collision Bessie was killed too our horse and, and they all died and, and I need to go and bury them and I'll be back later today or tomorrow. No, the, the man was saying, let me first go and bury my parents. In fact, what he's saying is, let me go. I won't follow you until my mom and dad are dead and gone. And there even is a hint in there saying, dad's staunch Jew. And if he knew that I was following you, man, he would disown me. And so here's the thing. I want to go back and I want I want my dad to die in peace. I want my mom to die in peace. I want to bury them in a Jewish, you know, uh, funeral. And I I want to have all of the people come around. I want to, and it might be 10, 15 years before they die. But when they're dead, then I'm going to come, I'm going to dedicate my whole self to you. You see, that's much more like what this man was saying. Unfortunately, that's what a lot of us say, isn't it? Lord, oh, let me just get through high school. I want to just, and I, I'm just now speaking myself. This was me. Let me go through high school. Let me, let me continue what I'm doing. Let me just have this fun. And when I'm done with this, and doing what all of my friends are doing, then I'll serve you. I was that guy. I was that guy. It's not worth it, man. Let me tell you, it's not worth it. By God's grace, I stand here today. By God's grace, I stand here today should have been dead, should have been gone, should have been, you know, in jail, should have, there was a lot of things that should have happened to me. And I know that I've talked to a lot of you, y'all would have been with me. But here's the thing, by God's grace, he brought me this far. Now, lest any high schoolers in here hear me say, well, by God's grace, I'll be where you're at. Be careful. I've got some of those guys that probably had that same thought that aren't with us anymore. They're not here. You're not guaranteed the next day. Don't play around with the grace of the Lord. Don't play around with God's desire for your life. Don't say, as I was saying, Lord, let me just get through high school. You know why? Because you don't mean it. High school gets over and there's more friends out there. At least in my life there were. All my friends didn't leave. Some of them stayed and I gained some new ones in college. And where was illegal in high school was now legal in college. And all of a sudden, college became a little bit crazier than high school for me. Some of you can identify. You're just going, Lord, please don't come back while you're doing something that you ought not be doing. To be, you know, very you know, blatantly honest. You know, I, I was afraid that the Lord would come back and return. I would hear the horn of Christ. I would hear the trump of the Lord come back while I was getting high. And I used, I can never be happy getting loaded while I was growing up because I knew the Lord and I knew, man, if, oh, I would be so ashamed. Do, 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 do. What's that in your hand, Don? Nothing. How can I call the Lord, my Lord, and I'm doing that? I, I, You know, that's a whole theological issue I don't dare to jump into right now. Was he saved? Was he not? Listen, only the Lord knows at that time. I believed I would have gone to heaven. I believed I would have been there, but... Only the Lord knows. I can tell you this one thing. I didn't have assurance that I was going to go there because I would have had a blast getting high while I was doing that. I know I didn't have the assurance. I had the most convicting heart ever. Hence the reason why I got as loaded as I could. Not bloated, loaded as I could. Now I've gotten bloated. No. Here's the thing. Get yourself to a place where you're so absolutely blasted out of your brain that you can't even hear the Spirit anymore. That was me. That was my my M.O. Here's the thing. What are you waiting for? What was I waiting for? The Lord grabbed a hold of my life. He did it in the way that touched me. I don't know how He's going to touch your life. He's probably touched many of your lives in a very similar way that grabbed a hold of your eyes, grabbed a hold of your ears, and said, listen, it's me. I love you. Do you not know? Do you not know I have a plan for your life? And He he doesn't desire to hear us say, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me do this. And then I will be free to, to, to follow you. I, let me get through school. Let me get married. Let me get the good job. Let me get the house. Let me get my financial you know, uh, life in order. Let me get my, my you know, personal life in order. Let me get all these things in order. And then I will follow you. Don't, that's never the time to start following the Lord. It's always a good time to follow the Lord. But don't wait to follow the Lord until that happens. Because it's never going to happen. You're not going to get to that point where you're going to go, Ha, huh, I got here. Now I'm going to make good on my word to the Lord. Now remember there was a movie. Some of you guys remember. I wouldn't recommend seeing it now, but you remember, I, it was a long time ago. Burt Reynolds was in it. Dom DeLuise. It was called The End. Any of you guys ever see that movie? Only older people. Huh. Oh, yeah. Hey, Ross knows it. Here's what it is. At the very end of the movie, basically, Burt Reynolds has a sickness. It's incurable. He's going to die. And so he convinces his crazy, lunatic friend, Dom DeLuise, to kill him. And Dom DeLuise, the whole movie is about Dom DeLuise messing up on killing Burt Reynolds. Because as he's about to pull the trigger or hang him or, you know, run him over or something. Bert starts crying. He starts getting to Tom, De- Dom Deloise, And I'm like, oh, OK, I won't do it. And so he goes and and he lets Bert Reynolds free before he kills him. And Bert Reynolds starts slapping him, as he always did with Dom DeLuise. He always slapped him, slapped him. I mean, that was those are real slaps too. slap Dom Deloise. How could you have done this? I wanted you to kill me. Don't listen to what I'm saying. You have to kill me. I don't want to go through the pain of death. And he went through the whole, that's the whole movie. The whole movie is that until the very end of the movie. I'm telling you the movie. I don't care. If you haven't seen it by now, it is what it is. The end of the movie, Burt Reynolds goes, I can't rely on Dom DeLuise. I got to do it myself. And so he jumps in the ocean. He starts swimming. And he starts swimming out and he starts going out he's going i'm gonna do it i just i'm not gonna let i'm I'm gonna get out in the middle of the ocean and i'm just gonna go down i'm gonna sink all the way to the bottom i'm gonna drown and nobody can save me he gets and and it shows the you know kind of a drone you know back that was called a helicopter back in that day but they used to you know have the camera go up real far and it showed burt reynolds like two miles out in the ocean and the you know the land is way over here, and he's out in the middle of the ocean. And he gets out there, and he's so resolved to kill himself, and he he goes, takes one big breath, and then just dives down as far as he can go down, and he's down there. And then it shows him down there, just kind of, and he starts swimming back to the top. He's like, he gets back up, he goes. He gets back up to the top and he's like, Oh, can I get there? Can I get there? And he finally breaks out of the top of the water. and He goes, I want to live! I want to live! Oh God, I'm so far away from land! And he starts swimming. He goes, oh, Lord, please don't let me get eaten. God, please don't let me die out here. Lord, I will give you 90% of everything I have. Oh, God, please. And as he's getting in, and he just keeps screaming, oh, Lord, and I'll give up the drinking. I'll stop doing that. And I'll give you the 80%. I will. And he gets back, and as he's getting close to land, he goes, and I'm not going to forget that 10%. And and. Every time he got a little bit closer, he started narrowing it down about what he's going to give to the Lord. And I thought, wow, what a picture. When I started walking with the Lord, all of a sudden it became a big picture, an accurate picture of me and many of you. Where you make deals with the Lord saying, I will do this and I'll give you this, Lord, if you do this for me. And then when the Lord does that for you, you don't make good on your promises. Lord, I'll follow you. Let me go bury my mom and dad first. Lord goes, yeah, Been down that road. I know the heart of man. It's desperately evil. Who can know it? I can. I know that you don't mean what you say. Let the dead bury the dead. If you want to follow me, now's the time. I got a, uh, Kevin said I got a text while I was up here. The text that I got up here was from a friend of mine. Um, He's a pastor in in, uh, Idaho, Post Falls, Idaho. He's got a Calvary Chapel affiliate up there. It's a North Country Chapel, is what his name of his church is. name's Bob Davis, one of my favorite friends, most, most awesome friends. He was uh, a Bible teacher out at Calvary Chapel Bible College. He was one of my teachers until I went on staff with him, and then he was a, he was a buddy, and, and we went to Russia. And Austria and and uh, England, you know, for about a three week, you know, time to see if we could establish Bible colleges around in all of these places and, and what have you when I was out in California when I was working for the Bible College and, and Bob and I just spent three weeks together and uh, Bob continued to stay at the college when I left to go to Fort Lauderdale and then over to here. Bob stayed out there, but then a couple years after I had left from there, Bob, he felt the Lord calling him on and he was very instrumental in the Bible college. He was one of the the, the the main teachers there at the Bible college. And everybody looked up to Bob and what have you. And, and Bob thought, ah, you know what? I think the Lord's starting to call me on. And he, he got a hold of Pastor Chuck. Some of you guys know who I talk about when I say Pastor Chuck. Pastor Chuck Smith is kind of like the... He's like the pastor of all of Calvary chapels, you know, at one time. you know, He's the one that started them. He's a the guy that I... Highly looked up to. He passed away a few years ago, but he was still very active, even up to the day of his death. But he was very active at that time, especially. And, and Bob happened to be walking with Chuck across the campus there, a myriad hot springs. If any of you guys have ever been out there, he's walking across the campus. And he says, you know, Chuck, um, here's the thing. I, I, I really, and it's like right towards the end of the semester. I mean, he's got like one more week before the semester is out. And and then he goes into summer break and then he comes back in for the next school year. He goes, Hey Chuck, I, I feel like the Lord is is he's starting to call me on, I think. And and I, I believe that the Lord has, has called me to do that. And so I think what I, I think what the Lord would have me to do is to to you know, finish out the school year here, take the summer, do one more full year, and then next summer that would next full school year. That would be my last year, and then at summer break, that's when I think that the Lord would would have me go. And Chuck, he goes in the way that he only could. Oh, Bob, you know, uh, love having you here. The kids love you. I hear so many good things. And, uh but you know, Bob, here's the thing. Uh when I I have found in my life that when the Lord calls us to do something, he doesn't put a year-long timetable on it. He's, when the Lord calls us to do something, he wants us to do it. The Lord has called you out. Let this be your two-week notice. <laughs> well, 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 okay, Pastor Chuck. All right. All right. Okay. He goes home to his wife, Jean, that night. He goes, Gene, something strange happened today. She goes, what? She goes, I think I quit. She goes, what do you mean you think you quit? Well, I think I told Pastor Chuck I wasn't going to work there at the college anymore. She goes, well, tell me. And he told her the story. And she goes, you, you dummy. Don't you? Chuck isn't going to let you just kind of hang around. He's one of those guys that, hey, when, when the Lord calls, he's calling you. It's the same kind of a thing. Don't go back and bury your dad. Mom, don't wait 10, 15 years to follow me. Today is the day to follow the Lord. Today is the day of following the Lord. And that's what Paul is getting into the Corinthians. He's saying, guys, it's today. It's follow the Lord and be faithful to the Lord. Be faithful to the call that he has called you to. Understand who it is that you serve and serve him. Don't serve other things that aren't even real even though the rest of the world might do it, even though the populace runs that way, don't run with them. Stick with the Lord because He is the true God and everything else is imaginary. They're all made up. They're all made up. So that word made up a two, an idol, an image, it can even be the concept of a person's mind. That's how many of the cults start comes up with one person and that one person propagates it and all of a sudden, taken into Larnell Harris's song, we'd have to believe that Islam is correct. Because how can, many, so, how can so many people be wrong? I mean, there's like 1.3 billion people upon the face of the earth today that are Islamic. Are they wrong? Well, you're either right or you're wrong. Islam is right and Christianity is wrong, or Christianity is right and Islam is wrong. Paul's saying, hey, those other things, they're not real. Jesus is real. God is true. Don't be idolaters. Don't run after things just because other people run after them. The second word in there is uh, uh, Latreia. Latreia. Eidolon Latreia is the, is the two words coming up that, that are joined together to make this word idolatry. And that means to worship or to serve for hire as a, or as a slave, a divine service. So serving, some, serving something that may even be imaginary. Giving your life to something that's imaginary. Paul says, beloved, flee from that. Flee from that. Latch on to that which is true. Flee from that which is not. He says, I speak as to wise men. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup. Now this is, gets a little confusing. And Paul understands he gets a little confusing because he actually even says, now what am I saying? <laughs> it's cool. Listen to what he says. I speak as to wise men. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break. Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, being many, are one bread and one body. We are all, we all, for we all partake of that one bread. Well, observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifice partakers of the altar? Uh, What am I saying then? He's going, do you even understand what I'm saying? Let me clarify why I'm using these illustrations. An idol, he carries on, he continues on in verse 19. An idol is that an idol is anything? Is is an idol anything? It's a rhetorical question. No, it's not anything. Or what is offered to idols? Is it anything? It's a rhetorical question that demands the proper answer of what Paul is getting at. He's saying, is an idol anything? Rhetorical requires an answer that Paul is getting to. The context is he's saying no. Is an idol anything? No. Is anything that's offered to an idol anything? Something that is offered to nothing is not really anything, right? Paul says it's nothing. An idol is nothing. Even whatever is offered to an idol is nothing because there was nothing that it was being offered to in the first place. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I don't want you to to, to have fellowship with demons. You can't drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You can't partake of the Lord's table and the table of, of the demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he before I go on? Here's, here's what he's saying. Simply put, Paul is saying that we as the church are united together as the body of Christ when we partake of Communion. He then goes on and he says, The children of Israel, they were united together as children of God when they ate of the sacrifices made unto the Lord. Using both the church and Israel, Paul is making a distinction between those who follow God and those who do not. He's emphasizing that if we follow God, how is it that we can also be partaking of that which is not God, the world's idols? That which isn't even anything. In other words, how can you partake and enjoy of the practices of your opponent? I'm going to get a little little personal here, not not anything deep or anything like that. But two weeks ago, my son, uh, he played his first high school football uh, game up at BCS, Bradenton Christian School. And... uh, you know, football's been a big part of my life. I've, I've played it. I've been around it since I was old enough to watch TV with my dad. And, and so I've I've watched it every single weekend, it seems, you know, with my dad. And, and I grew up knowing football. I played football from nine years old until 21 years old. Uh, stopped playing after I broke my ankle, and broke my leg, and tore all my ligaments in my ankle. And so that ended my football career. But once that was over i went into a little coaching with little league you know have you a little junior american football and then and then i just became uh an avid fan like some of other people that like football i, I like football i i'm a football watcher i i'm i'm pretty well versed in football i understand football i understand strategy i understand the, the game and i i say that only for this reason uh Two weeks ago, I have never seen a team so undisciplined than the team that my son played last two weeks ago. It's crazy. Last year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers—they were mocked on all of the sports nation, uh, sports uh, 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 news, uh, you know, uh, commentators, whatever. I'm trying to think of the word I'm trying to say. News stations. They were mocked because they committed 22 penalties in one game. How can you win a game committing 22 penalties? you got to remember, professional football, they have 15-minute quarters. High school football, 12-minute quarters. They had somewhere between 35 and 40 penalties in that high school game. Most of them for taunting. Most of them for, you know, showboating. Most of them for talking back to the refs, you know, you know unsportsmanlike conduct penalties all over the place. And it was just constantly wiping out long runs that they'd have and passes and everything. You know, somebody'd make a long run, they'd turn around and they'd sit John back at the ref and the people and the, the other team and at Nathan's team and what have you. I was, I was disappointed in the team. I was disappointed in the team. Not our team, but their team. So 35 to 40 penalties Uh, Just this last week, my son had a a game just a couple of days ago, and myself and and, uh, my son, we talked about it, but as I met with a a few of the parents there at the game this week before the game started, we were talking about the week prior to, and we all started kind of comparing notes of what we saw. I mean, there was one guy on the opposing team. He had, like, grizzly Adam beard. I mean, if you too young to know who Grizzly Adams is, just know it's big, okay? It's not a kid beard. I know what a high school beard looks like. This is old man beard. This is old man beard. This is a big beard. He's playing high school football. Two of the other parents said, did you get down close to him? There was a few of their players that have male pattern baldness. That male pattern baldness. Yeah, and and others were saying, oh yeah, they had full tattoos all down their arms. And then then what really kind of tipped me off, and I haven't told Nathan about this, but one of the other parents says, did you see him getting on the bus? Actually, it wasn't one bus, it was two buses. He goes, did you notice there was a black bus and there was a school bus? There was a school bus that had school markings on it, a unified school district markings on it, and then there was an unmarked black bus. And some students were getting on this, some of the players were getting on this bus, and some of the players were getting on that bus. And I asked the question, before they got on the bus, did they have to turn around and put their wrists together? You know, to, to be handcuffed before they go back to jail? I don't know. Where did they get these guys? I mean, these guys were so undisciplined. And yet they still proceeded to beat our team 43 to 6. They were that good. They were men among boys. I've got pictures of some of these guys. My son had to go against a guy that was probably 370 pounds. That's huge. But here's the thing. Why all this? Would it be normal if when they scored one of their touchdowns and they were taunting my son's team that I got up and started taunting our fans like those guys were taunting our team? Getting up when they'd break away for a long run, which they did quite often, while their stands all got up and started cheering me in the midst of the BCS, the Bradenton Christian fans, would it be normal for me to stand up and start cheering them on also? Go! 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 Here's the thing. Why would, would it be normal if I'm cheering for the opponent? Would it be normal if I'm, if I'm identifying with the, with the opponent? And Paul says, here's the thing. You are on team God. But what even makes it even more is that there isn't even a real team over there. There's no such thing. It's, it's not a real God that these guys are serving. It's like the emperor with no clothes on. You're cheering at how awesome the clothes look on on the emperor because you have been told everybody who sees the clothes of the emperor that that they're awesome and they're beautiful, they're very distinguished. But if you can't see the clothes and you only see the nakedness of the king, you are not one of the distinguished members of our society. You are not one of the the thinkers in our society, say you're not you're not as good as everybody else, and so as the emperor traips down the 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 you know the parade down through the city blocks, buck naked, walking down. And everybody's going, oh, how wonderful those clothes are. Oh, those are the most beautiful clothes. Until one little kid didn't care about how intellectual he was or anything. He was, hey, how come the emperor's naked? And the emperor, you know, all of a sudden his eyes is like, oh, you mean I am as naked as I look? It's because the three swindlers had taken the money of the king and they had convinced him that the material and the the fabric that they wove was so precious and so glorious that only the finest people could ever see it and you can see it right king because you're fine Oh, oh, oh well we yeah yeah they played upon they played upon the acceptance of the king. They played upon the king wanting to be accepted by everybody else for being how intellectual he is, for being how you know uh, wonderful he was and to be a part of the upper echelon crowd. And the word spread. Everybody wanted to be a part of that crowd and so they all saw the king's nakedness. The king saw his own nakedness. But everybody went along with everybody else because nobody wanted to be outed as not being the smart one. There was no clothes on there in the first place. And we've got, a, we've got a world right now that is running after the emperor with no clothes. They're running after the no clothes. When in all actuality, you have Christ. You and I have Christ. Paul says, why would you ever cheer for go in, in in concert with be in concert with why would you even co-labor with why would you be around that that's not who God is why would you want to associate with that why would you want to eat with demons demons have basically twisted their minds they're like they're the swindlers they're the ones that said oh only the wise can see that God is not true but this God is real really and if I don't have to do it God's way and I can do it another way man I'm right there and that's what—that's where, where the wide gate is the wide gate follows the false gods and Paul's going don't do that be careful be on your guard He's saying, listen, we have to be united. The whole idea behind what He's saying about us in communion and the children of Israel eating of the sacrifices of the altar, here's what it is. When we do that, we're united as a body of believers. And united, we become strong. But what happens when we have little chinks in our armor is when the united church body comes together and goes, oh, well, I believe in God, but I also believe... That God is not knowable. Or I believe that, that actually... I do believe in God, but I believe that, that Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, they're all the same things. They're all the same things. We're all serving the same things. We're all serving the same God. We just have different names for God. That's a chink in our armor. Paul's saying, listen, as the body of Christ gets together, as we are in communion together, we're bound together, we're, we're, we've, we're united together to serve the risen Christ. And, and it, there's no room for imaginary gods to come in here. There's no room for imaginary fairy tales to come in here to serve after them. Paul says, be careful. You've got to be careful of this. Just mind you, those aren't even really gods that you're running out after. He's like saying, don't you see how foolish it is? You're following after something that's not even there. You're being swept away with the, with the masses of people to follow after false gods that aren't even real. They're not even real. Um, Luke chapter 16, let me read this real quick to you, i got to hurry. Luke chapter 16, I was going to have somebody read it, but I'm going to just read it real quick. Luke chapter 16, verse 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. What's Jesus saying there? It's impossible to serve two masters. And those that say, oh, I'm serving God, but I still bow to Buddha. Or I serve God, and I still, I just call God, I call Father God, sometimes Father God, sometimes I call Him Allah. Mind you, Allah is not Father God. That is a whole different God. That is a made-up God. That's not the Jews and, the, and the, 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 you know, the, the, the Muslims, you know, having a difference of opinion on who God is. That's them fabricating, Muhammad fabricating a whole different God based upon his own imaginary concept. And right now there's 1.3 billion people that are following it. Are they right? I say no, according to what the Word of God says. Here's the thing. If you're Satan, what would you do? I don't want to give credence to Satan. I don't want to give you know, props to Satan. But here's the thing. Jesus said, he, he told a parable about a mustard seed. He talked about birds coming in. The mustard seed being the smallest, it goes in and it grows up into the largest of trees. And then the birds come in and they nest in their branches. I do not have time to develop all of this, but just understand this. We could get into this. If you want some references on this, you can come up to me afterwards and talk about it. Mustard seed. Small, small, small little mustard seed. Grows up into a large tree. Mustard tree seeds never grew up into large trees. So this is an abnormal growth. Well, the abnormal growth of this parable is that there's going to be an abnormal growth of the church, if you will. And if you look at the right of first mention one of the laws that you look at in scripture when you begin to exeget- exegetical laws that you look in scripture it's called the law of first mention when you go in and you look at the birds and you you look at the at how and and in what uh, fashion a bird is being used in scripture Typically, it stays with that kind of a negative context throughout the rest of Scripture. And Jesus is used in the first time he uses birds in parables. He talks about the bird coming and taking and snatching the seed away, which is the word of God. And he says the bird is the evil one. The seed is the word of God. And so in this mustard seed parable, you have the seed, the word of God, and it grows up into an abnormal size and the birds come and nest in its branches. The idea is is that the church grows into being something that it was not ever it, it wanted it should have been the problem is is that the birds have come in and they've nested in the branches and so the evil one has actually joined into the church. And just because you say church doesn't mean that it's righteous before the Lord. One of the largest churches in America in Texas is not I don't believe of the Lord. I think is sending a lot of people down a path of destruction because the true gospel is not being mentioned there. And it's in that that we have to be careful because these, I believe, are birds that are nesting in the church. We've got to be careful. What does the word of God say? Paul was having to deal with it then. We're dealing with it now. He says when the church is united and it sticks to what the word of God says, what the whole of the word of God says, it's going to be safe. And when we do that, here's the thing we're not going to be chasing after imaginary gods. We're not going to be chasing after imaginary things. We're not going to allow the enemy to come in here, take up residence, nest in our branches, and create new doctrines, create new things to where we, we get sidetracked. Because, wow, people in the church that I've, I've loved, they've actually started running this way. And it's sad. It's sad. You know, I know that it's not even a big thing for a pastor to curse from the pulpit anymore. Because the bird is nested in the branches and the pastor wants to be relatable to the people because people hear cuss words all the time. And so for me, as a pastor, to cuss in front of you, that identifies with you and we are connecting on a level that I think is demonic. There's no reason a pastor should curse in a pulpit. There's no reason a pastor should, should, should take the Word of God and twist it to make it fit our society. We need to take our society and make it fit the Word of God. We can't, we can't let society dictate what the church is going to be. It never was intended to be that. It was always intended for the church to affect the world. It all started with the children of Israel, right? God chose the children of Israel, not because they were more mighty, not because they were more noble, not because they were more intellectual. In fact, he would often say, you are stiff-necked, and you, you're stiff-necked. You're hard. But I love you, and you're small. But here's the thing. You're very unlovable at times. But I'm going to show my love for you. I love you so much. And I'm going to bless you. That when I am blessing you, all the nations of the world will look at how blessed you are. And they will come to you and say, you're such a tiny nation. How is it that you're so blessed? And you will then say, because we serve the one and true God. You don't see the stories of other gods, imaginary gods out there, leading a few million people through a wilderness for 40 years with a, a pillar of fire and a cloud by day pillar of fire by pillar of fire by night feeding them on the ground every single day 40 years feeding them on the ground every single day 40 years causing water to come out of a rock to give them thirst quenching you know uh, sustenance And on and on and on and on God goes to this nation. And instead of the nations coming to them, the nations were freaking out on them. They're going, man, God is with you. I mean, there are stories after stories in the Bible that that bigger and more mighty nations are sitting here going, they're camped around Israel and they're going, man, we are going to die from that small troop of Jews over there because they have God on their side. There's stories, there's a story in there that, that not even a sword had to be lifted by the Jews. They actually would turn them on themselves because they're their freaking out because God was with them. God was with the Israelites. And they just thought that the Israelites were coming into their camp. And they raised up their swords against one another and they began to fight and they killed each other. They killed the whole lot of them. To where Israel goes in the next day and goes, Hey, where are all the people? They're dead. This huge army that we were afraid of, they're dead. Who killed them? It was the knowledge that God was the God of Israel is what killed them. He's on their side. He's not on our side. And and so here's the thing. The idea was that God was going to place His hand upon small Israel so that the nations of the world would look upon small Israel and say, you are blessed. Why? And Israel could say, because we serve Israel the Most High God. The way it should have worked is that nations should say, the nation on the outside should come in and say, can we be blessed with the same God as you? And God made provision for anyone who wanted to come in and be a part. He said, yeah, they would have said yes. They could have said yes. But mankind doesn't always work that way. Oftentimes you'll see the Jews go, no, it's us Jews. You guys are on the outside, we're on the inside, you guys are going to be toast, we're going to be blessed. And they lost the point of why God had placed their hand upon them. And I, I don't, unless you think I'm getting down on the Jews, I'm not getting down on the Jews. I do the same thing with the church. We can get very arrogant and proud for ourselves, going, hey, everybody else is going to go to hell. At the end of the day, everybody else is going to go to hell, I'm going to go to heaven. We throw our hands up and go, hey, go ahead, hey, have your fun out there right now because here's your heaven. Everything you get on this earth, that's your heaven because you're going to be spending eternity weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm going to be in heaven. That's not ever been God's design. It's never been his MO, his modus operandi to say, hey, don't be proud of, of don't, don't be arrogant in your walk with me. Understand your walk with me is to be demonstrated to the world around you so that you can go out and engage the world so that the world can have what you have. So what it's always been about. That's what Paul's trying to get to the Corinthians on. When we're united, without having the birds of the nest, birds coming in and nesting in our branches, without growing abnormally in a way, we grow abnormally because we've allowed the evil one to come in. I think that there's a lot of megachurches out there, are megachurches because they've allowed the evil to come in. I'm not saying every megachurch out there is, a, is an evil empire. But it's a dangerous place to be. I've been a part of megachurches. I've been a part of some of the biggest megachurches in the world. You go, yeah, what are you doing here? <laughs> I don't know, God sent me over here. <laughs> at the time I left Calvary, Calvary Coast Mesa, it was the second largest church in, in America, it had 32,000 people in it. When I left Fort Lauderdale, there was about twelve to 14,000 people in, and they grew up to about twenty-two, 000, twenty-four thousand. 24,000. I don't know where they're at right now. it was one of the largest churches in America. I was part of that. I've seen megachurches. I've been there. I've been a part of it. But here's the thing. It's not about that megachurches are bad. It's that I believe that there's a lot of abnormal growth because in many places, because evil has taken root. And we've got to be careful. And Paul's trying to warn us. Don't get sidetracked don't don't take anything apart from the word of god and and don't remove it from the word of god thinking that you're serving the lord also paul says listen those things that those other people serve that they say oh it's okay we can we can we can bow down to that we can you know what we can we can have you know uh, we can have atheists in our church and and we can actually have atheism groups atheism groups because we're, we we just want them to know that God loves us, and so we will give them and afford them an, a, a door and an opportunity to come into our church and actually have an atheistic group to talk about how God isn't real, there isn't really a God, because we're we're loving Christians. I don't know that that's what Jesus would have us to do, and yet it happens. Here's the thing: he he goes. Let's not provoke the Lord to jealousy there in verse 23. Or are we stronger than He? All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but all things don't edify. So let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. I could do a whole message just on this, but suffice it to say, I'm not going to do a whole message on this. What I'm going to say is this. Listen, as a believer, the blood of Jesus is what saves us. The blood of Jesus is what cleanses us. Our life, the sin that we have ever committed in our life, doesn't make us us righteous or unrighteous. Here's the thing. When we have accepted Christ, when the blood of Jesus Christ has washed us from our sin, understand this. Our sin is washed away. Past, present, future sin is washed away. Now, does that give us a license to live in sin? Absolutely not. And don't hear me say that from here. But here's the thing. The blood of Christ washes me from sin. All of me. For eternity. I can live my life freely. I can go and love life. I can, I can enjoy life. Paul goes on. He says here in, in chapter uh, 10, he says, Listen, it's so much so that you can even eat whatever is sold in the meat market. Now, to a Jew, that was actually anathema. You don't eat anything that is sold in a meat market unless it's kosher and has been blessed by a priest. Paul's saying go ahead and eat whatever is in the meat market. Just don't ask questions for conscience sake. What he's saying? Don't ask if it has been blessed by a priest. Don't ask if it's been offered to an idol of some other religion that's not really a religion. Let me read it. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience sake. For the Lord is, or for the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. If any of those who do not believe invites you to dinner. If any of those people out there who do not believe in Christ invites you to dinner and you actually want to go. Paul says, Go. And eat whatever is set before you. Ask no questions for conscience sake. But if anyone says to you, This was offered to idols, well then at that time, don't eat it. For the sake of the one who told you and for the conscience and for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. Second time he, he makes that statement. Let me just finish. He says, What do I mean by conscience? He says, I say for your own conscience, but that uh, not for your own conscience, but that for the other For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? If I partake with thanks, why am I evil spoken of for the food over which I give thanks? Therefore, whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men and all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. And then he says, Look at what I do in my life. Imitate me as I imitate, just as I also imitate Christ. Let me just wrap it up here. Here's what he's saying. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. What I do, I should do for the benefit of others. My sin has been washed away by Christ. There's nothing that is unlawful for me to do. I can do all things. Because my, my righteousness is wrapped up in Christ. But for conscience sake, if I have a conscience that says, do not do whatever it is, then don't do it. Because your conscience is bearing witness against you that it's wrong. If you have no conscience or conviction that something is wrong and you do it, be free. Do it. This is a big issue back in this day. He says, listen, I'm going to take something that everybody understands. Go to the meat market, order yourself a prime rib, take it home and cook it and eat it. But what if it was offered to idols? Paul says, don't ask the question. Why would you need to ask the question? If, If it was offered to something that's nothing, what is it? It isn't anything. It's nothing. So why is it important to you to know if it was offered to idols? Paul says, that's not what's going to make you holy or or unrighteous. That's not what's going to make you holy or unholy. He said, let me just kind of flush it out here a little bit. Let's say that one of your friends begins to go off the deep end because he or she has been watching too much SpongeBob SquarePants. Okay? Alright, stick with me here. Let's say that they've waited so far away from reality that they begin to speak to you about how how their, their life is much more full since they have begun to pray over their food and offer it. or or since they've changed their name, I'm sorry, I I wrote this, since you changed their name to SpongeBob, uh, SpongeBobacus, and since they've begun to pray and offer their food and eat it to the temple of Krusty Krabacus. Okay? They offer their food to Krusty Krabacus. And they say, oh, my life is much more full. Let's say that SpongeBobacus says, hey, hey, Want to come over to our house and have dinner? I have my friend Patrick. You and Patrick and I, we can have dinner. Should you go? According to Paul, Paul says, go. Go and eat. Because there's no such thing with any consequential substance as the crusty crabicus. Go ahead. Go over to your friend's house. Eat whatever he puts in front of you. However, If SpongeBobicus says to you as he puts this plate of Krabby Patties down in front of you, he says, I prayed and I offered these Krabby Patties earlier to the Krusty Krabicus so you will be blessed. Paul says that when he does that, push the plate away. Push the plate away. Don't eat that. Not because you think that the Krabicus will be upset because you know that there's no such thing as the Krusty Krabicus. You push it away for the conscience sake of the one who changed their name to SpongeBobacus so as not to give credence to something that is nothing. He's saying, don't buy into what it is that they're doing, but eat whatever is in front of you. Paul even says here, man, even if after you leave your freaky friend's house, you know, and you go to Publix, Publixicus. And, and you buy yourself some Krabby Patties because you had to push away his pra- Krabby Patties? And he's saying, don't even ask the, the butcher behind the meat counter. Have these Krabby Patties been offered to the Krusty Krabbacus? He says, don't do that. Why would you do that? There is no such thing as a Krusty crabicus. So don't do that. You want Krabby Patties? Ask the meat butcher... Hey, can I have some Krabby Patties? He'll go, here are some Krabby Patties. Don't ask him where they were from. Just eat them freely. What if somewhere down the road you find out, oh, those things were offered to crusty crabicus. You know what? There is no such thing as a Crusty crabicus. So I ate them and they tasted really good. I'm not bound to that. Now, how does that relate to us? Let's say you have a friend... A co-worker who's an atheist, and they invite you to, uh, and I don't want to trash down on any restaurant or place, but let's just say they go to a smoothie shop. I'll just say that, a smoothie shop. They say, hey, let's go get a smoothie. And you, go, Wow, smoothie sounds really good. I'm kind of on smoothie kicks right now. Yeah, Yvonne's on smoothie kick. Here, here's the thing. All right, I'll go get a smoothie with you, and you go down and get a smoothie. And you get a smoothie and you you buy it and you walk out and you're drinking a smoothie. Enjoy it. What if your friend goes, hey, you want to go down and get a smoothie? Today, it's Atheist Day. And every smoothie that's bought, a dollar goes to the Atheist Society of America. You want to go? Paul says, in that kind of a sense, just say no. 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 What if you did go down there and it was Atheist Society of of America Day and you bought a smoothie without the knowledge of knowing that a dollar was going to go to them at the end of the day. You know, should you feel guilty? No. Paul says, just drink it. There's no such thing as atheism. I know man wants to believe that there is such a thing as atheism, but everybody has a God. Whether it's God in heaven, whether it's a false God or whether it's the person looking back at you in the mirror, you, you have a God. If you don't believe that there's a God, you have elevated your intellect to a point where you say, well, I know better. And so therefore, there is no God. You're looking at him when you look in a mirror. You're God. Someone asked Morgan Freeman, do you believe in God? Yes. I'm he. Really? You're God? Yes, I am. I'm God. I've known it for a while. Okay. Wow. Do you offer Krabby Patties to Krusty Krabbicus? I don't know. I think that that's silly. But here's the thing. There will be those that go, wow, I really, really love Morgan Freeman and so I'm going to hear more about what he says and I want to I want to be what I want to have what he has. I want to have what he has. And that's how it all starts. Paul says, if we're going to be united in communion, let's stay united in communion. If we're going to stay united in Christ, let's stay united in Christ. Let's bind ourselves to this word of God. And let's, let's see what God will allow us to do. And let's not, let's not play with sin. We don't have to play with sin. I don't have to sit here and say, Hey, Pastor Don, is it okay if, if I go out you know, with some friends and drink? Is it okay if I go to a party? Is it okay if I go dancing? Is it okay if I, you know, do this or I do that? Anytime anybody asks me that question, and I know that every one of us have asked those kinds of questions before, whether or not you've asked me, you've asked somebody, is it okay for a Christian to fill in the blank? You know what you're saying? Is it okay if I take my, what you're saying, where are the rocks in this ocean? And is it okay if I get real close to them, Well, you might be able to get close to them and might be able to navigate through them. Is there anything wrong with drinking? Is there anything wrong with dancing? Maybe not. But if you're asking me, is it okay, maybe go back to the Lord and say, Lord, instead of asking, hey, Lord, how close to the rocks can I get without actually crashing into them and sinking? Why not ask the other question and going, you know what, Lord? How far out in the ocean can I get away from the rocks to where I'm not in danger of sinking? We don't like to ask that question. We like to see how close to the rocks we can get. Paul's saying, there's no sense in in living so close to the rocks, living so close to the opponent, living so, so like the opponent. You know, People love to use Paul's words. I became all, thin, all things to all men that I might win some. And a lot of us use that in our liberty to say, well, so I became you know, a bar hopper so that I can win some bar hoppers. I began to mainline because I wanted to reach mainliners. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Be Christ. Did Christ become those things to all men? Understand the context of what Paul's saying. Paul didn't ever be, stop becoming a man that he could say to you and I, like he said here in verse 1 of chapter 11, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You know why Paul said that? He says, because what I'm doing, I'm looking to my Lord, because that's what he did. And so if you ever have a question in your head, should I ask the question, I don't know, would he? Would Christ? Would Christ? You don't have to even go and ask anybody. Would Jesus be doing that? And if you get to that point where you go, oh yeah, I think he would. I think he would. I think he would. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think. I think because he loves man so much that yeah, I think. I think he. I think he'd suck down a bong load. I think you got more serious problems than what you're willing to admit. I think you know the answer and you just don't want to know the answer. You you, you just, you got to look at it and go, hey, you know what? To be a Christian, to be a follower of the Lord, it might cost me friends and it might cost me something and it will cost you something. But I will tell you this, Christ is worth it. Amen? Father, thank you so much for today. I pray, Lord, that this made sense today. I pray, Lord, that I did this passage justice for You. God, any words that I said that were not of You, Lord, I pray that You erase out of our minds and out of our hearts that we do not latch on to those. God, I pray that the only what came from You to speak to every one of our hearts, Lord, would be the words that we'd allow to sink down deep, take root and grow, where You would mature us. Lord, where we would... Know that we are more like you now than we did when we walked in than we were when we walked in. Help us, Lord, to leave this place knowing that there is a path out there for each and every one of us to walk. It might be different paths and they are all different paths. But all paths that you have from the steps of this door outside of this building today, when we step and we stand up from our seats right now, there is a path for us to walk on and one is a perfect path and one is a permissible path Lord help us to live on the perfect path help us not to live in permission permissible will Lord help us to live in the path that you have called us to, to, to walk on on a day by day basis there is the excitement much of the excitement of the Christian life Lord you know it's this waking up every day knowing that you have perfectly placed the, the flagstones for our life for our walk that day And the flagstones that we step on are going to be sure, with sure footing. They're going to be solid. And our joy this day is to get up and to find and walk on those flagstones. And it's not too difficult. Lord, you don't make it so difficult that we can't find those flagstones. But sometimes it's difficult because we don't want to take the step where you've called us to take it. Even though we know what step we're supposed to take. We sometimes wander off that path. Lord, get us back on that path. Help us to stay on the path that we're on at this moment. The perfect path that you have laid out for each and every single one of us today. Help us to open our mouth when our mouths need to open. Help us to open our ears when our ears need to open. Help us to shut our mouth where our mouths need to be shut. Help us to see the need where the need needs to be seen. Help us to meet the needs where the needs need to be met. I pray, Lord, that we would truly bless you by the way that we walk our walk as we leave this place today. Help us, Lord, to live in you in such a way that the world would look upon us as they were supposed to look on Israel as they're supposed to look on us and say, my, how blessed you are, why? And then give us the opportunity to tell them why we live the way that we live. It's because of you. And help us to give them you. Help us to highlight who you are. Help us to show them who you are and the plan that you have for their life. God, help us to love people the way that you love people. Help us to minister to people the way that you want us to minister to people. The way that you did. Help us to unite as a church the way that you've called us to unite as a church. Lord, we offer ourselves into your hands. We offer our lives into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at Calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941 926
1: 3717.
0: That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.